This radio program is PG-13. Parents strongly caution some material may be inappropriate for children under the age of 13. Set me Jesus' mission was to comfort those who mourn, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to captives, and open prison doors for those who are bound. For those who want more than status quo Christianity has to offer, Blazing Grace Radio begins now. And here is your host, Mike Janung. Hey, Mike Janung here, and welcome back to Blazing Grace Radio. Glad to have you along. And we talk about porn and sexual sin and and related issues a lot on this program because there are a lot of people struggling with these things and there are a lot of people hurting and in bondage and and as we've mentioned before the numbers show that two-thirds of Christian men are viewing pornography and so the, the few churches that do open up this issue usually it's in the context of the men and if we leave it at the men only, that's a big mistake because women are the fastest growing segment of porn users in the church and in society. So I'm going to read you some some surveys and numbers here. One third of women watch porn at least once a week. That's the general population. 56% of women 25 and under seek out porn versus 20, 27% among women 25 and older. 80% of women who engage in online sexual activities, that's cyber sex, also had real-life sexual encounters with their online partner compared to the much lower proportion of 33% for men. So this is like crack cocaine, for women, and even more so, because a lot of men they're just they're looking at porn, they're masturbating, and they're moving on. But if if you're taking that to the next step with an affair, that that's dangerous, especially if you're married. And most of the people who come to us for help are married. <laughs> Surveys reveal women have positive associations between porn consumption and behavior, sexual permissiveness. As a result, women have more sexual partners and are more likely to engage in extra-relational sex. So this is not just a man's problem, far from it. And today we have with us Miranda Martinez-Herbert to share her story. Miranda is a writer and an activist who uses her story of healing to help others find freedom from the bondage of pornography. She has an MFA in creative writing and has five years of experience in youth ministry and uses those platforms to share the news of Jesus and freedom. So, Miranda, welcome to the show. Hi, Mike. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks. So let's get going by, I'll invite you to share your story and how you got hooked and where you went from there. Yeah. Um, So I'm going to start off with something that my sister told me recently, um, which I just think really shows how destructive porn is. is. Um, But she told me that porn is the perfect crime. Um, It's the perfect crime because it attacks the mind, body, and soul of a person. 
Um, and the enemy just uses that to destroy um, any sense of hope in us. Um, so a little bit about my story. Um, when I was 11, which was in 2009, um, I was introduced to online pornography. Um, I was 11, like I was a baby. Um, but basically what happened was um, I was just sitting on my bed doing homework on my laptop. Um, and at the time, my parents weren't, um, didn't have any parental controls or locks on the computer, um, mostly because I don't think they were worried about it. And we were also, it's early 2000s, right? So we were kind of just learning about the internet. Um, but so I did homework. I honestly don't remember how I stumbled upon it. Um, and I honestly think that was probably God's protection from hiding or not hiding, but keeping, um, the origin story away from my memory. Um, but I looked at porn, um, for the first time and I looked at that three more times, hardcore porn, um, people having sex on video. Um, and then I only watched it three times, but it destroyed my mind after that. Um, then the rest of the time, so my, um, book that I have written, it's called a church girl's recovery, the seasons of a pornography struggle. Um, it's not yet published working on that. Um, but it basically goes through my 13 year recovery journey. Um, I'm now 24 years old, actually, no, 25. Um, and I am now just recovering from those thoughts of just like those thoughts of porn that just infiltrate your mind. Um, I no longer look at porn. I haven't for um, about six years. Um, and that includes like hardcore porn and softcore porn, including like um, books, uh, pictures, all of that. Um, so I am recovering and now I'm able to use my story to help others. Um, yeah, so that's kind of a quick little story about me and my journey. So you said you looked at it at the age of 11. Did you just intentionally go there or did a pop-up happen or how did you get drawn into it? Yeah, I say I cannot recall how it happened, um, quite frankly, but um I remember I don't I don't know if I looked for it. I don't know if it popped up, but I do remember clicking on a website and um as, as an 11 year old you're not really thinking, oh what is this? Is it going to harm me? Um but it was super easy to gain access. Um basically the the age verification was clicking a button that says I'm 18 um and over and I like as an 11 year old that was easy to bypass. Um, so I clicked it and thousands of videos popped up in a single click. Um, and I don't know how pornography websites hold, um, restricted content to children, eight or 11 or younger age children. I don't know how that's done now, but, um, I know that it's super easy to gain access. Um, and there are a lot of statistics, um, saying that, average age like a child encounters pornography is 11 um and by 14 94 percent of children will have viewed pornography um which is mind baffling um and it also brings the question of like 
why the enemy attacks that specific age, 11. Um, I've been asking myself that a lot, and through writing my book, I've um, just really was curious about why the age of 11. Like, obviously, that's important, um, or else the enemy wouldn't have attacked that certain age so violently. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't have an answer for that, but um, it's just, it says something um, about how the porn industry um, is just so easily accessible to underage children. So if I'm doing the math right, you had an eight-year journey um, to recovery. So after after that first exposure, were you looking once a week, once a day? What what did that look like? Yeah, so um, in total, it was about 13 years from 2009 to now. Um, I included all of this time frame as my recovery journey um, because although I haven't been looking at porn for several, several years, um, it's still a mental um, battle. Um, and um, sorry, can you repeat the question again? Yeah. So after uh, after that first exposure, were you then looking at it once a month, once a week, once a day? What did that look like? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so after that initial look, um, I maybe watched it once a week. Um, that, and that was like the hardcore version of porn, like actual videos of sex. Um, but then as time went on, um, it switched to softcore porn. So I watched um, promiscuous videos. I wouldn't say it's like, it's not sex on video, but it's definitely like um, inappropriate videos, um, music videos. I watched um yeah just a lot of inappropriate content and i even read some blogs about just porn and of course that led to masturbation um and that was probably a couple times a week um and it took me a long time to find freedom from that part um but yeah some people have a harder battle breaking the hold of masturbation than they do of porn. What did that look like for you? Yeah. Um, I honestly, I struggled with masturbation for a while. Um, it wasn't until I actually got married um, where that ceased to be a part of my life. Um, it was, I kind of realized, and my husband and I talked a lot about it Um during our engagement and relationship, just because we we knew that it wasn't what God wanted for sex and marriage, and that um, masturbation does hold a lot of loneliness inside of itself. And although it might um, be satisfying in the moment, at the end it just leaves you feeling so isolated and alone. Um, and so my husband and I talked a lot about um, not wanting that isolation factor and truly wanting um, what God designed sex to be, which is um, beautiful and fun and just a, such a spiritual closeness inside of marriage. Um, so we really try to fight for that in marriage. Um, but yeah, it, it's, 
it was a battle for me until I got married, um, which was three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, masturbation is um, one of the hardest things to get over, I think, um, along with pornography. But I think masturbation almost has a different element to it because it is so, it's just you. It's it's not you in the screen, it's just you. Um, so that in itself is really hard to break that pattern and break that, that, um, that bondage from that. There are some in the church who say that there's nothing wrong with masturbation. What is your take on that? Um, so I so I was part of Young Life for a while. Um, that's how I got started with youth ministry. Um, and we actually went on a leadership retreat um, for leaders and then got together in a room and what, that subject was actually brought up. Um, and what I learned at that moment and what I carry on today is that masturbation, um, it's a sexual sin, but it's also a spiritual hindrance. Um, like when somebody is masturbating, it might feel nice in the moment, but at the end, you're just going to feel lonely and isolated. And God created us to abundantly live in joy and community um, and have union with your spouse. And I just feel like masturbation is just a hoax of sex. It's a way to satisfy yourself momentarily, but spiritually it's going to leave you longing. Um, And so it's just, it's, it's one of those sexual sins where it just completely distorts what what God wanted you to experience in marriage. Um, so I am definitely an advocate for um, learning how to stop masturbating and learning how to start living um, freely and enjoy that um, any sexual pleasure within marriage. Um, so I'm definitely a huge advocate for that. And I think you said that very well. And uh, when you said it's a way to satisfy yourself, masturbation is all about the self, pleasing mm-hmm. the self, pleasuring the self. But um, that connection that is lost. And so what, what I've written in my books is that uh, there's an emotional misfire that happens after it's over, and that's because the spouse is not there. There's no connection. And I like what you said, and it's true that there's an emotional, there's a chemical, and there's a spiritual component. So this is you can't just compartmentalize this into the physical only, can you? Yeah, exactly. So when did you start turning the corner? What did that look like? Did you open it to somebody? Did you tell your parents? Yeah, so um, it was actually about two or three years after I um, initially watched pornography. I was did not want to tell my parents. My parents did not know at all. Um, I think I was really good at hiding it for the most part. Um, and, of course, along with the pornography came depression and anxiety. Um, and I think I just... I isolated myself. I did not want to tell my parents. I didn't want a chance of it slipping out accidentally. Um, so I didn't tell them. And it wasn't until um, 
I went to a summer camp um, for a youth um, facility, and we talked about the seasons of life and how when you're in winter, it seems like everything is dead and you you feel depressed and at least anxiety and all kinds of different things. And that really started something in my heart because at that time, like I, I definitely felt far from God, but God was gracious and still talked to me during that whole period of my life. And so God really put like a pressure on my heart to um, tell my parents to start the healing process. Um, and for me, as as a child, I, it wasn't like, a, oh, let me tell someone so I can start healing. It was, I don't want to tell someone because I don't want to get in trouble, or I don't want my parents to view me differently, or I don't want the youth group to see me differently. Um, but God kept putting that on my heart over and over and over. Um, so it was actually the day after Christmas, a couple years after I first watched pornography, um, that I woke up and I went to my sister's room Um, she was sleeping and I was just, I was feeling this, just such a weight on me. Um, and I was kind of hoping my sister would wake up and kind of like just comfort me. Um, but she didn't, she would still sleep. Um, so I went to my room. I just crawled on the ground basically and just cried. Um, I was sick of this weight. I was sick of hiding my struggle. Um, and then my mom, I don't know what it was. I don't know if like the Holy Spirit led her to come into my room or whatnot, but she knocked on my door and didn't even wait for me to answer. She just came in, um, and asked me what was wrong. Um, and I remember wanting to lie to her. I remember thinking like I could, I could tell her I stood my toe really hard and I was crying because of that. Um, but that moment God was like, this is when you need to tell her. Um, so I remember so specifically, I was like, um, mom, I can't believe I'm telling you this, but um, a few years ago, I watched pornography. Um, and her reaction was not what I expected quite. Like, I, I guess I don't know what I was expecting, um, but she was silent. And then she helped me up from the ground and she cried with me. Mm. And she prayed with me. Um, And I know that that's not everybody's stories. And I have friends whose parents have completely, like, um, been mad at them and, like, taken them to church and tell them to confess their sins and all this stuff. And they've had a really traumatic um, telling of of their struggle. Um, So I I see that not everybody's stories like that. Um, and it is more difficult for people to tell. Um, but in that moment, I was just amazed with how my mom handled it. And then, of course, she was like, I think your dad needs to know. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> um, but my dad pretty much did the same thing. He hugged me and prayed with me and cried with me. And it was one of the most beautiful moments I've ever experienced of just being open and willing to tell your struggle and sin and having just God's love meet you where you are at. Um, and so I think whoever's struggling with pornography, masturbation, whatever it is, like find a safe community, whether that's your church, whether that's your family. Um, people have to tell 
others and bring like safely find a safe person. Um, but it's something that once you confess that and once you let that darkness out, like I believe that that's the moment where God is able to start the healing process. Um, because again, when we bring darkness to light, like it, it, you're surrendering that to God and saying, God, I need you. Um, I need you to heal this. Um, and so we're, I get, I guess we're giving permission, God, or God permission to, to start the healing process. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need community. We need people in our lives to talk about this list. Um, yeah, so it was, it was a life changing moment for me telling my parents, um, and I will never forget that. No, that's that's amazing. Most of the stories I hear, what you talked about on the traumatic side, where somebody got ostracized or shamed, or um, or on the wife's side, um, you're not giving your husband enough sex, or all sorts of, I'm just going to say, spiritually abusive things that come out of the church and. Uh, like you mm-hmm. said, finding a safe person in a safe church is, is a real critical part of that. Yeah, definitely. So after that first disclosure with your parents, uh, what did your recovery look like? Did they help you put some kind of filters on your laptop or what happened? Did they have accountability time with you or what did that look like? Um, they honestly, they didn't talk much about it afterwards like my mom would always check on me every now and then um they definitely monitored my computer and they made sure and they definitely encouraged me to use the laptop in like the family area um but it wasn't something that we regularly talked about um i think for me it was more of once I talked to my parents about it, they knew what was going on. Then I was kind of able to seek other community, like in youth group and that. And so I was able to um, talk very openly about um, my struggle and just wearing that with youth leaders, with um, wise friends. Um, and so I think I definitely, my parents were aware of where I was at, um, but I definitely was able to find a different source of community within youth group and church. Mm. Um, That definitely helped me out more with that. And you talked about the mental struggles. Talk about that. What did that look like? Yeah. Um, So this is probably the hardest part of my recovery was the mental part of it. And what I mean by that, um, and I even, I mentioned it in my book too. I actually go very in depth about it. Um, But um, I had, like, when I first began pornography, um, I had, I, I call them these trances, basically, where um, your mind goes, like, shuts off, basically. Your body shuts down, and all you could think about is pornography. Um, and I, they, they lasted for a couple minutes at a time, um, and all I could think about was, the stuff that I saw on the screen. Um, it was to the point where um, it was it was basically disassociating um, with reality and just being entranced by um, what I saw. And again, they only lasted a few minutes, but when I kind of snapped out of it, like my limbs were tingling, I felt like I was just trying to 
regain consciousness almost. Um, and that happened for a few years. Um, and then they started getting better. And they started lasting a um, little less. Um, and now, um, and now what I'm struggling with still is just like, I guess, just kind of flashes of pornography every now and then. Mm. Um, like a quick image will pop up in my mind. And then um, whenever that does happen now, I'm, I run to Jesus and like, I need you. Mm. Um, this is not for me. You don't want this for me. Um, rewire my brain, like literally rewire the chemistry in my brain, the chemicals, everything like that to stop these images. Well, Miranda, we're out of time, and this has been great. I, I love your transparency and honesty, and we need to have more conversations like this in the church. So thank you for joining us. Oh, yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you for talking about this. It's needed. Well, thanks, and to our listeners, we'll look forward to talking to you next time. Do you want to be free? Blazing Grace is a nonprofit international ministry for the sexually broken and the spouse. Please visit us at blazinggrace.org for information on Mike Janung's books, groups, counseling, or to have Mike speak at your organization. You can email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call our office in Chandler, Arizona at 719-888-5144. Again, visit us at blazinggrace.org. Email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call the office at 719-888-5144.